0: to the fantasy rewind podcast i am your co-host dylan Stoll, and i'm joined as always by my friend mike hey so today we are doing a two-for-one with one piece live action episodes three and four which is titled tell no tales is episode three and episode four is the
1: pirates are coming the pirates are coming
0: Everyone likes a good deal, so we're giving you the full arc in one go here with Episodes 3 and 4. But before we get into that, I'm going to give out the typical reminders. So if you want to follow along on Instagram, it is at FantasyRewindPod. At, yeah, at FantasyRewindPod. <laughs> on X, we are at FantasyRewind. And then an email is always nice as well, which is FantasyRewindPod at gmail.com. All right. Without any farther delay, Mike, let's dive into the rewind. Fantasy
1: rewind. Fantasy. rewind. All right. So before we get into the actual episodes, don't we know that there's been a little bit of fantasy news, and and especially in terms of Shadow and Bone, and you had wanted to talk a little bit about that. Do you want to start off with that?
0: Yeah. Let's do it. So. One of the more interesting things that happened in the last couple of days here is for the first time ever, Netflix released their viewership data. And so this is like a closely guarded secret by Netflix. They're like, yeah, we're not showing you how many people are watching our shows. We're just going to tell you everything is great or cancel things and not tell you really why. And this provided a little bit of insight to why Shadow and Bone was canceled. And surprising enough, Shadow and Bone was a consistent top performer on Netflix. It was in their top 36 shows from Jan- from January until June of this year when they announced that they were going to wow. be canceling the, sh- the show. And what, f- what was so interesting about that to me is that because it was performing so well, because it was rated so highly by both the critics, who had like a 89% on Rotten Tomatoes, in the fans, which gave it like an 87% in Rotten Tomatoes, you would have thought that it would have been a safe show. But there was a perfect storm of events going on for Netflix and why they canceled it. The first of which being the writer's strike mm-hmm. that happened this year. It just gave Netflix the opportunity to kind of axe some of these more expensive shows, which leads me to why it was also canceled was due to money even though it was a top 36 performer for Netflix, it was still costing between three and $5 million per episode to make shadow and bone because it's a fantasy series has expensive special effects, visual effects, and all of those, all of those things piled up to put an early death to shadow and bone. And so even though it was a popular series, Financially, it did not do as well as Netflix wanted it to. And why I wanted to bring this up was just to talk about fantasy television and movies in general. And it's that the cost is always the thing that is the death nail to these shows and movies. If these special effects are so expensive to produce then the studios are going to want them to not just be popular, but to bring in the money too. And not just breaking even, but significant investment requires significant results. And so even with a popular show like Shadow and Bone doing well, the money wasn't there for Netflix to fully invest more, which does actually have me a little bit worried when we're talking about a show like One Piece... And a show like Avatar The Last Airbender coming up here on Netflix. So even though the quality is great, that means the cost to maintain that quality is also great. Now, my
1: counterpoint to at least with like One Piece and Avatar, those both have significant followings. More Very so than much Shadow so. And Bone. So definitely. I think the viewership for like One Piece would definitely be higher than what Shadow and Bones would be, probably, if they were to release all this data. That would just be my guess on that.
0: I would fully imagine so.
1: But you you do bring up really good points, though. Fantasy series, live-action fantasy series. Live-action fantasy Animated series, Animated yeah. ones, I think that's where we're safer. Um, but live-action fantasy series do have, I mean, traditionally, have really high special effects, especially if there's a magic of any kind, right? yeah. And this does make me
0: worried for shows like Wheel of Time and Mm -hmm. uh, Rings of Power. I mean, thankfully for a show like House of the Dragon, the dragons themselves are the big special effect cost there. Yeah. There's not so much a magic system that has to be maintained. It's more so the visual effects for the mythical creatures that you see. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I just wanted to share that little bit of data there, that little bit of insight. And just as like a general reminder that... These fantasy show fantasy shows and movies that we so enjoy and love really are under a lot more a lot more scrutiny than some of the more like action heavy or like rom com based shows and movies, strictly from a cost standpoint, which does make them very difficult to continue to be produced and to have significant success.
1: Yeah. Especially too since i mean typically with most shows as you go from season to season you lose some viewers
0: yeah you always lose viewership so unless you're a massive success like game of thrones
1: yeah yeah that's true that's true all right well even by the end i'm sure they lost
0: oh yes by the end yeah but towards those first few seasons like seasons one through three they were gaining and gaining and gaining yeah which is wild Oh
1: yeah. Anyway, uh, let's let's hop in here. So we're gonna pirates. D- yes, pirates. One piece. Uh, we're gonna be talking about tale no tales and the pirates are coming. These two episodes together because they form the syrup village arc,
0: the Usopp arc, the <laughs> Kaya, the Kaya arc, the Captain Kuro arc, the uh, Kobe and Admiral Garp arc. Arc. <laughs> <laughs> yeah Garf bark bark, bark. <laughs> yeah
1: Good. um but yes um the, these really kind of flow together so like when I, I watched i watched episode three and then i immediately watched the next episode because i was like yeah we're putting these together uh and so that way when we talked about them too if i happen to say something is, is uh, talk about one episode i can talk about the whole thing throughout the two because it really right goes together So, Dylan, I think this one might be good to sort of split into a couple different pieces. One, because in um, The Pirates Are Coming, which is the second episode, we have all about Zoro's backstory kind of laid Mm. out. In Tell No Tales, we get a good chunk of Usopp's backstory. We have the whole... um, storyline with kaya and them trying to get the ship and all this as well then we also have kobe and Helmeppo and garp's storyline too so where oh, like where would you want to go i mean there's so much let's to start kind of off with start something
0: juicy with. i think let's start off with something juicy and go with Zoro's background
1: yeah okay so throughout the story throughout this whole thing you know um We haven't gotten too much of Zoro's backstory outside of he's a bounty hunter. He does the three-sword style technique. He's a great swordsman. He's very well-respected, and he has a dream. Also, we see that he does not like to be separated from the white sword, which is a significant thing as we come to find out when he's tossed in the bottom of a well and he's sort of facing this challenge of trying to get up the well you get a flashback to his backstory. Now, this is one of my biggest issues, actually, with sort of the aging, and I've talked about this before. The actor they had playing a younger Zorro two years ago, or however many years ago it was, maybe five, I was like, this kid to Zorro that we're seeing right now, that age gap does not make sense. And facially, doesn't really make sense. I was like, you guys could have done possibly a better job in getting a different younger actor because I can't really see the connection between the two people. Was that supposed to only be two years? I don't remember. It said like four years. It it said like two, five, four. It it wasn't that long. Mm, it was like...
0: Definitely seemed more like 10 years ago or something like that. Yeah,
1: it should have been longer in my opinion. Um, but anyway, that that's just a gripe. But the story itself is really good, and it falls pretty closely to Mm -hmm. the anime. So we have Zoro. um, He's like one of the best swordsmen in his class and his instruction, but we kind of see him getting beat up by this one person. Ends up being a girl. The white sword ends up being hers. They make a pact um, after, you know, Zoro's like, can't beat her, and he's like really frustrated by this, and she's just like you'll beat me with time because you know as you get older you're Mm going to become stronger faster taller and i'm going to sort of stay the same because female versus male bodies and um so they kind of make a pact that they'll be this one of them will be the strongest swordsman in the world and they're going to train together each day in order to reach this dream they agree to it and you know it can't Can't tell if it's just a really strong friendship or if there's some kind of maybe a slight romantic interest as well. Can't really tell there. Uh, But they form this friendship. They start training. And then one day, you know, he's waiting for her to train. She doesn't show up and she's passed away. She has died due to an accident. He takes up her sword and makes their dream his life mission which really translates into why he is so serious and why he's always about being training and being the best swordsman. Mm-hmm. Because this is like his, you know, his purpose. So I think they really did it. They did a good job of capturing that. Do you have anything you want to add on his backstory?
0: Yeah. I just want to throw it in there that I absolutely loved it because it was done pretty much exactly like it was done in the anime. The one difference, though, I thought, and this kind of spoke more so to the maturing faster for for women than men, was that in the live action, it seemed like the female swordsman was a lot older than him, and he was definitely the younger of the two, whereas in the anime, they seemed like they were roughly the same age, if she was like a couple years older, but they definitely looked like there was a bigger age gap between the two of them in the live action. Um, I also didn't get any romantic feelings between the two. It was more of a competitive rivalry respect. Like, I'm going to be you. I'm going to be better than you. You're my standard of what's a good, what a good swordsman is and everything. And I did think that it was just a great way to provide... Some grounding and some characterization for Zoro, and why he is such a badass, and why he takes his swordsmanship so seriously, and why he's my favorite character in One Piece.
1: I mean, he is a really cool character, and it, it's also going to explain why he makes certain choices later on that he does. Yes. So that's kind of that's the cool backstory we get for Zoro. Now we also get Usopp's backstory. And it is also very much related to the anime, though they made it a bit sadder here. Um, they did. Usopp is living on syrup, is living in syrup village with his mother. It's just them. His dad is away at sea, and as we come to find out, he is part of Shanks' pirate crew, and he is Shanks. Yassop. Yep, Yassop, and he is Shanks's uh, sniper, which is kind of what. Usopp is too um i just have to come out and say it right away i love that they got rid of the nose
0: me too me too it was such an improvement oh
1: yeah absolutely and they also made Usopp less cringy
0: he's so much more likable oh my god yeah
1: like i'm like i like his enthusiasm and his joy like I, it's very infectious. It's almost Luffy esque in that, and yeah. I, I was like, "That's great. That's that's what you need to capture." Not the whiny, uh, annoying. Usopp. They took
0: away the worst parts of Usopp and it, like magnified the best parts of him. So it was like a full improvement for this character.
1: Yes, and I'm really hoping to um, that you know that that continues on as we go through the series because I do know mm. certain points it gets worse and better so yeah um, but he is he's starting right off his sort of boy who cried wolf arc where he would every day run through the village yelling that pirates were coming pirates were coming to the point that nobody believed him and he was doing this because he was trying to make his mom feel better by telling like trying to get her to think like oh their dad's here and uh, in the anime his mom's still alive but sick I believe I think she's dead, actually, man. In the anime? Yeah. Oh. Well, I misremember that. But in the live action, she died, too. So, I just thought she was still around in the anime, but I... I uh, but anyway, Usopp also works for the shipyard, whereas in the anime, he kind of just goes around the village and he has, like, these three younger kids who are his, like, sidekicks, and they are the Usopp pirates, and they have a million men, and yada, yada, yada. and He's very... He's known for lying. That is the big thing here. He's known for lying, which is why in the anime, too, Long Nose, kind of like Pinocchio. Right. It, there's layers on layers there. But
0: I did just confirm that his mom is dead in the anime. Okay.
1: Well, good to know. Um, Anyway, Luffy, Zoro, Nami land in this village because their ship is taking on water, and it is not long for this little dinghy yeah the dinghy also too we didn't quite mention this but nami has this little ear snail earpiece which is hooked into someone she's talking to so there's definitely some double crossing like something's not on the up and up with nami and that's sort of been hinted throughout the last couple episodes too but we'll get to that later on in this we have them landing and then they're trying to secure a new ship nami is ready to just steal a ship out of the shipyard um they meet usopp and usopp's like oh i know the person who runs this her name's kaya i'll take you to her and so luffy's like fine let's make a deal nami i'm going to convince them to give us a ship and if that doesn't work then we can go with your plan She's endless optimist. Yeah, endless optimist, and she's like, okay, whatever. And then she just like tells Zoro, "Zoro's like, what are we gonna do when his plan fails?" (laughs) She's like, (laughs) "We're just steal a ship." Like that's, it's funny because I I love that they have Nami and uh, Zoro very much as like the realists, and Luffy as the optimist.
0: It's kind of like those scenes in the anime where like everyone turns and screams at Luffy after he says something stupid and he's just there cheesing it up laughing about it yeah
1: and then he ends up being right or whatever yeah
0: yeah yeah
1: yeah always good now anyway um they fall in love with a special ship that Usopp was working on well working on as in cleaning called the going mary named after the kaya's lawyer yes who is named mary this is also a change from the um at least uh, not the name of the ship necessarily but uh what happens to Mary in this episode episodes yeah. is a bit of a change from the anime anyway so we go and meet Kaya who is sick she's a young woman same age as pretty much ever all the other all the Straw Hats and she's sick and uh, very wealthy she has a butler who is uh, just a little bit creepy
0: constant claudador is his name uh, yeah constantly adjusting his glasses with the palm of his hand which i thought was a very weird thing to be doing until i found out why yeah
1: (laughs) anyway um i just want to pause there for a second and i do want to talk about what happens with um arlong we get to meet arlong Because this is kind of a quick little side thing. Buggy, we kind of go to Buggy and he's sort of gotten his body back together. His crew's still gone completely. Nobody else is there except for him, which I just think is still very strange.
0: Well, if you think about this in the anime, there was a short period of time where Buggy was just his head and his feet and his hands and his whole crew had left because they thought he was dead. And was gonna where they were gonna be like forming their own new pirate group amongst themselves, and Buggy just kind of had his own little side quest, side adventure, and so I think this is kind of like reminiscent of that, except without some of the more absurd things like meeting the man who's stuck in a treasure chest and stuff. Oh yeah, like yeah, yeah.
1: They they cut out a lot of the filler, which is fine. Yes, um, which is great. <laughs> but anyway, we have a fish man show up, and Buggy, this is just. Like, kind of upset that he shows up and tries to attack him, because uh, the man says that Arlong wants to see him. Then he gets Buggy gets knocked out pretty quickly by this fish man, and that's kind of it until he wakes up and Arlong's there in front of him with his sharp nose. And when I was watching this, Alexis is like, "Is he is she gonna is he gonna stab Buggy with his nose?" And I was like, <laughs> "I don't." think so i thought he was gonna bite his face yeah but I, I couldn't quite tell but it comes out that arlong is pretty much the most powerful pirate in the east blue and um arlong is like there to shake down buggy pretty much buggy doesn't really have much to give him but tells him like he'll help him go after luffy and
0: who has the map to the grand line yeah
1: and arlong seems to go along with that But it's setting up again Arlong as being the main adversary. Big Bad of season one. Yeah,
0: by the end of the season. So,
1: yeah. Any thoughts on all that when you were seeing that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I thought that they did a surprisingly great job with Arlong um, in live action, just because what a fish man is is exactly like it sounds. It's like a half fish, half man combination of like it's this, this whole separate species in the anime. And so it's it's kind of weird and it's kind of absurd and everything, but it works for a show about pirates and and people living in this gigantic ocean world and everything. And I just thought that the special effects and how high quality the fishmen actually looked was quite impressive.
1: Agreed i would agree completely with that they did a really nice job with their makeup and everything else so
0: mm-hmm. all right
1: so that's kind of it for arlong throughout this
0: let oh one quick thing too yeah. i do just want to say like i love just like the swag that arlong comes out with every time he's on camera and like he comes on camera the music pretty much instantly changes <laughs> And he's just as walking in and you know he's a bad boy. <laughs> and you know he's there to he's not there to play. He's there to take things serious and yeah. it's pretty cool.
1: Agreed. Alright. So let's um, that's the whole side bit with Buggy and Arlong. There's one other side piece here that I want to talk about before we just take the straw hat pirates the rest of the way through. And that is Kobe and Garp. Yeah. And Himepo. So Basically, Garp takes Himepo and all the cadets and leaves Axe Hand by himself because he can see through the fact that Captain Morgan Axe Hand was lying through his teeth and was not a good Marine, (laughs) like, captain or, you know. And so he's like, okay, I'm taking all you guys with me. We're going after Luffy. Takes them all with him. Then you have Himepo, who is the head cadet now,
0: and he still hasn't changed from who he used to be. He's still sniveling and thinks he's better than everyone. So real quick, Mike, I just want to chime in and say, I think that Himepo was already head cadet. Like, I think that was something his father had given him. Oh, okay. And he was allowed to kind of just, like, swagger around, not in Marine uniform or kind of do what he wanted. Okay.
1: Well, that's good to know. Uh, So anyway, that sort of ended with Garp basically being like, yeah, no, Uh, Kobe's going to be my sort of, (laughs) go-to cadet. Go-to cadet, because he can actually do the job. And so Garp takes a special interest in Kobe, has him start playing, like, a game with him, Stones of some kind, where it's very much kind of like chess or something like that, where it's all about strategy. And Mm he's trying to get Kobe to see that you know, you have this sort of strategy brain, you just gotta go with your instinct. And and so they're playing back and forth. It's a whole, like, really developing a mentor-mentee... Relationship, which has been which is cool to see um, because Kobe it does have a special place in the series, and they're really doing a nice job of highlighting him. Whereas in the anime, again, he just sort of disappears for long chunks of time. You have this uh, kind of going on, and then they find that Luffy and them have gone to Surf Village, so they go there, and then Garp sends Kobe with couple Marines in Himepo to go and find the Straw Hat Pirates. Now that's going to lead us into the Straw Hats. So they met, they met our girl, Kaya. Oh, Kaya. And Claudidor. And the, I don't remember their names, but the chef and the maid at Kaya's home. She's super wealthy. She owns one of the Mm -hmm. best ship businesses in the East blue. well, doesn't technically own it right now. She's not 18 When she comes yet. of age. She, she comes holiday, to yes. age that night, right? Yes. At yeah. Night. Her
0: birthday's at midnight.
1: Yep. And so they're having a big dinner. And because, you know, she loves this, the stories, the lies, the stories, uh, the fantastical tales that Usopp tells. And she thinks Usopp is a good person and a good judge of character. She invites Luffy and the other two pirates to dinner with her. To Claudine, so I want to jump in
0: Claudine, here Claudine, uh, to Claudidor's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do want to jump in here because this is a big difference between the anime and the live action. Whereas in the anime, Claudidor gives all of the pirates the boot. He kind of takes over and ignores Kaya's request to have them come in the house and everything. And in the live action here... I think it just plays to the story's betterment that it does it goes out the way that it does, that the Straw Hats and Usopp are allowed in, that it's kind of a more self-contained house of horror situation than a whole island debacle going on like it is in the anime. And so I did appreciate the kind of scaling down of what this arc actually looked like.
1: I would agree with that. Uh, At first, I was a little upset because I was like, oh, they're not going to have this big fight. But then at the same time, I'm like, well, this honestly kind of makes sense. And it did sort of make it more intimate and faster paced. Whereas if you were to do that big owl brawl, it would have to be a much uh, much longer fight. And that has been kind of their MO. We're taking these giant fights and scaling them down. And that's okay. It worked
0: out pretty well. 'Cause I still think you got the best parts of that fight yeah. in the live action here. We just kind of lost the weird hypnotist dude, which is good. I didn't like him anyway.
1: Yeah, considering he would hypnotize his own men. Uh-huh. Yes. Anyway, so they get invited to dinner. Luffy pleads his case for a new ship to Kaya. Kaya's coughing and getting all worked up and she has her blue soup and everything else, which it's funny enough, that was actually poison that kinda got ruined. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I never would have guessed a blue soup was poison. Yeah, I know.
1: But uh, anyway, uh, because as we come to find out, Claudidor is not actually just a butler who owes his life to Kai and her family, but he is actually a pirate captain of the Black Cat Pirates and was reportedly killed by Captain Morgan years ago. But he was not killed. Instead, he had he laid plans to befriend the family and murder pretty much every member of it (laughs) and get their fortune. So then he would never have to be on wanted posters again and he could just live the rich life. That being said, um, he still plans to kill Kaya as he has already talked to Mary, the lawyer, and said that Kaya wished to sign over the company to him. And Mary's like, well, I just should talk to miss kaya about this and i'm just like it's so weird because he could have talked to her so many times and didn't really push the issue (laughs) right uh but claudador is like oh no worries and then kills him with his claw fingers because it's like cat claws and his really fast move of just like kind of spinning around the room which i thought they did a nice job with Um, in the anime, Mary does not die. And in fact, he does warn Kaya and he survives,
0: Mm -hmm. but
1: in the show, he is dead. And I think it plays out better for that fact. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. Again, this is again, showing the difference in terms of like blood gore and just like overall death and maturity anime versus live action.
0: Yeah. Death is definitely more permanent in live action than it is in anime
1: it is after that um, eventually we have Usopp and Zoro coming downstairs once Luffy and Zoro get up for a midnight snack and a drink respectively Usopp takes Zoro to the wine cellar to get a beverage Luffy stays upstairs and eats the poisonous soup
0: the entire poisonous
1: soup every last drop Zoro and Usopp stumble upon Mary's body Sorrow gets taken out by the Black Cat Pirates by being kind of tricked.
0: By Captain Kuro. Yeah, by if Captain Kuro. mistaken. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, well, the maid came up. Oh, and yeah, getting hit, the hit over
0: the head with a club. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then he gets thrown in a well. He, we have his backstory. He gets out eventually. Usopp runs away, and Captain he's Kuro... He's
0: allowed to escape. Yes.
1: Because he's like, it doesn't matter. No one will believe him. And he goes and he finds um, no one will believe him. Usopp is yelling about how pirates are there. No one's going to believe him. In fact, they get mad at him. And he gets more of his backstory there, which we already talked about. He then finds the Marines, which are Kobe, Himepo, and two other Marines. Gets them to come to the house with him. This is probably like the whiniest bit of Usopp we got. And Kobe's character, too, was trying to be very sympathetic. But also, he was torn between being sympathetic and helping him and doing his duty. Yeah, and so that was really kind of an interesting uh, spin with Kobe that I, I I liked. But they show back up at the mansion, and um, Captain Caro, or he is there, or Cladador as we also know him, and he gre- answers the door in his butler uniform. Is like, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's hysterical. He's not right in the head. Uh, basically, gaslighting. Um,
0: yeah,
1: Usoff and because they had found Luffy's body, they brought Luffy to the Marines to take with them. Yeah,
0: let him, let them deal with him, and uh, they're ex- they're ecstatic that their job is pretty much done for for them. Yeah,
1: though, Kobe is very much like something's still not right here, yeah. and he gets shut out. But again, that duty I have luffy i gotta take him so they start taking him himepo is pretty much just just wants to shoot luffy right there and just be done with it and kobe's like no 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 and and luffy then pukes all the blue um soup onto himepo (laughs) which is so funny (laughs) Like uh, he
0: gets his, He gets his. let's just say that. Yeah, <laughs> Meppo is treated the way he deserves.
1: And at this point, <laughs> Zoro kind of meets up and knocks out the other Marines, and then they t- go back to the house to take care of the situation, leaving Kobe kind of like, I don't know what to do.
0: Yeah, they don't harm Kobe at all, no. but they do take care of the other Marines. They don't kill him, no. but they do knock him out. Yeah, and uh, Kobe goes back to the ship and,
1: you know, is pretty upset because he failed Garp, and Garp's like, well, you know, the best laid plans are always accounting for the fact that you're going to fail. So you have backup plans. And so he had found they ended up trailing pirate shooting at them at the end yes, of the episode. Yeah. But that's kind of it for the Marines. Now, back to Luffy and Zoro, who are now going back in the house. Nami has been there. Now, Nami had a couple of interesting arcs throughout this. One, she was judging Kaya so hard because she came from Wealth. Come to find out, Kaya's not a bad person, and she did actually grow to be friends with her, which was surprising to her as she was trying to steal stuff in the house and eventually put it all yeah. back. Um, and uh, she knocks, she hides when Luffy's getting abducted, knocks out the maid before um, trying to help Kaya escape. And Usopp comes back into the picture here because he's like the Marines wouldn't help me, so I'm just gonna be brave and help Kaya. At this point, Captain Kuro was like, no more interruptions. Let us close off the house. And so this is where they make the house completely like, impenetrable. It's like windows, locks, everything's shut down. Giant panic room. Yeah, basically. And he's just walking. Him and the other two black cat pirates are like, okay, no more disguises. And then they're in their cat uniforms, swords, clubs, knife fingers walking down the halls, letting them scratch against the wall as we go to find Kaya and kill her. And that's when we have Kaya be like, "Oh, I know there's another thing in my parents' room and her Usopp and Nami after they, you know, after they get her to realize that Crocodile is trying to kill her or Captain Kuro. They go through some servant, pa- servant passages.
0: Yep. Servant passages, service passages—either way you want to say it. Yeah, they go down the help's little like hall, hidden hallways so they can operate without the throughout the house without being seen.
1: Anyway, and uh, Captain Kuru hears them going through the wall, stabs through. It's a pretty cool scene, yeah, where he's just like shooting his fingers into the wall and he hits Kaya. They get through. They start trying to undo the lockdown procedure. Captain Kuru. Comes in, and there's a nice little fight scene kind of between him and Usopp before Luffy shows back up, and Zoro takes care of the other two pirates.
0: So, this was a chance for Zoro to shine a little bit with a little two verse one swordsman yeah. battle between like the two like underlings of Captain Kuro, the cook and the maid. Yeah, which were you know, they. Pretty much represented their characters from the anime pretty well, I thought. The one big difference was having the the one skinnier of the cat people being female, which worked perfectly still. I thought that it was still a, a good fight scene and that Zoro was challenged a little bit, but came out on top.
1: Yeah, I'd agree. And the fight when Luffy comes up and is fighting Captain Guru is really good. I thought yeah it was yeah. a nice showing of Luffy like leaning into using his senses and instinct. Mm-hmm. I like too that it's shown each episode it, this is kind of how it was in the anime too. He creates a new gum gum attack based off of something he's seen. So this one was gum gum bell and he hits Kuro with his head because there was a bell in the town that would go back and forth. And oftentimes Luffy will see something and be like, "Oh, that's cool! I can make my armor, I can make my head or my leg do that." And so, like gum, mm-hmm. gum, Gatling, gum, gum, bazooka, gum, gum, bell, gum, gum, I don't know, windmill, Pistol. Oh, missile, yeah, whatever yeah, has to be signature move. He gets inspired by things, so that was cool that they kind of included that.
0: But Captain Kuroka's and so one thing as well, too. he does, he does. But one thing as well is that when luffy's going up against kuro he's going up against his own weakness because while bullets and cannonballs and blunt objects don't hurt luffy he can still be cut he can still be stabbed and kuro and his knife fingers are like a nightmare for luffy to try to take out that's true they
1: are they are definitely his one of his weaknesses there that's a good point also too i guess we should have mentioned because he's made a rubber poison and stuff doesn't really work against them rubber stomach oh yeah <laughs> it's not just his outside <laughs> set of rubber
0: yes but like it's this whole scene here it goes to show me like again how they're trying their best to like emphasize like all of the straw hats working together to take on these people because even though zoro was the one that was fighting both of the underlings he still could not have had success if it wasn't for nami who was able to get him his swords because they were like oh we'll just get these we'll take these away from you and set him up for success. And then again, like if Zoro wasn't handling the underlings, then Luffy would not have been able to take out both Kuro and the underlings as effectively as he was able to.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Kind of working together. And I think too by the end of this episode Nami as well. Definitely had a stronger connection with them. And that's sort of been, as we go here, like you see them growing closer together and that's been really cool.
0: Yes. And so to wrap it all up, in the end, Kaya does give them the Going Merry, which was the ship that they had their eyes set on. And they are able to ride off into the sunset with a new crew member, who is Usopp. Captain Usopp. Captain Usopp. (laughs) <laughs>
1: which has been, which was a funny little point of contention between Luffy and him. He was like, "But I'm the captain." He was like, "I'm Captain yeah. Usopp." He's like, "No, I'm the captain." Uh, it was <laughs> kind of funny, and like they both made jolly Ran- or uh, jolly Rogers. I almost said jolly ranchers. Jolly Rogers. One was the straw hat pirate, and the other one was Usopp
0: pirate. And it was just funny. Was just yes, but. but like as Mike already mentioned, when they start sailing off. They have a little visitor, which is the Marines and Garp trailing behind them, shooting cannonballs at them. Yeah. Which sets us up nicely for the next episode. Yeah, And I can't
1: wait to dig into that.
0: So, all in all, what did you think of this this condensation of the Syrup Village arc, Mike? So,
1: I liked it. I thought it did a really nice job of hitting all the major beats, hitting all the character characters, um... I lo- love the changes to Usopp, so right there,
0: oh, yeah. got me. Yeah, no, I thought that it was very well done. All the changes I thought were for the better got rid of some of the more redundant and annoying parts of the arc, yeah. and definitely the changes to Usopp are magnificent. <laughs> can't wait to to see how else they improve some of the other annoying aspects throughout the series, but I'm loving it so far. Alright, with all of that being said, we are going to get on out of here, and we will come back next time with the Baratier arc. But until then, this is Two Nerds signing off.